This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, and I'm joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Hello, Sam. How's it going? I've got a cold. I've got a cold too. It's good we're doing this show from home because I'm not going to work. It's strange oh. how we used to soldier on and go to work, and now we don't. No, and, um, and I went out last night, and, um, and I was feeling fine, and I'm kind of glad that I didn't start feeling crook until after I got home, because otherwise I would have missed out on something really fun last night, which was, um, and actually that is what leads us to uh, our in- the person we're interviewing today, Ms. Cal Hunia, and uh, the incredible work that he's doing in our community. Cal, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Now, thanks for the invitation, Mawera. Kia ora. Kira Keld. Keld, we've started the show in the first lockdown, so started asking people how their bubble life was going. Now that's turned into history where we've carried on asking that question. How did your bubble life go? Uh, my, my bubble life was actually pretty good because w- what happened with, uh, with us is um, my son and his wife, they were essential workers. And, um, and so he, you know, so they made the decision that they would send their grandkids, uh, my, my grandkids to me to come and stay with us during lockdown. Um, so I, yeah, so I had a, I had a house full of kids. It was, was pretty good. Um, and we set them up in a routine. They, you know, they weren't allowed on their devices until after three, they had to read books, they had, you know, all, all sorts of sort of stuff um and then it was like well you got to get outside and and do something i don't care what it is kick a ball you know kick a cat whatever just get outside do something for two or three hours and then um and then we'd we'd get into a little bit of exercise regime so so we'd be running the road and then um doing some exercise stuff and so we so we did that for six weeks and then we'd send the parents little videos and updates about what they were doing and uh you know like um uh, hi, mum. I miss you. Hi, dad. Uh, you know, Kudo made me run up the hill today five times, sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, it was it was was it was awesome. Almost a shame to send them home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the my favourite part of the whole experience was um, I sat them down on day one and we wrote out some rules. You know, um, you know, things like when Kudo calls, I will come immediately. Uh, you know, um, I, I will not pick up uh, of the iPad and you know until after two p.m. And, and you know all these things. I I will I will have a shower every night. You know I will, I will brush my all these sorts of things. And then at the end of the list, 
I made them sign it. I made both of them sign it and say, here you go. These are the rules. And then there were there were punishments, you know. It's like, oh, if you pick your iPad up, then you're going to lose it for two weeks. You know, if you don't have a shower, then, um, you know, you sleep outside or whatever, whatever, the, whatever the, you know, whatever the thing was. And then I made them sign it and, and, and agree to it. And then at the end of lockdown, when the parents came over, I said, oh, these are their rules, by the way, if you want to take them home and, <laughs> and continue them there. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so one of my grandsons, he lost his iPad for about, I don't know, six weeks in a row or something at his house. It was hilarious. And were you working through that time as well? Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I was working at the time. Um, so I see, I actually at one point had three jobs. Um, so so the, the presentation that Mawera came to last night was, is, was, was one of the, I worked part time as a, you know, um, for that for that trust, but I also worked for uh, Wananga Aotearoa and, and, um, and, you know, when we went into lockdown, everything was done remotely and, and classes were done online and, and students were contacted by Zoom and stuff like that. So, um, so that didn't stop, which, which was why I, I said to my grandsons, um, you know, be, when, when, I'm on a, when I'm on a Zoom call or when I'm working, um, you guys need to go outside and play do something outside or you know I don't care what it is but you can't be inside watching television you can't be inside on you know on your on your uh, devices or anything um yeah and so so that that was a bit of a it was a bit of a learning curve for for everyone because like no one no one liked zoom no one and no one could get the hang of it you know the the, the students would switch off after I don't know five minutes of of talking <laughs> at someone on the screen and they were gone. You know, you you could tell it was just like I don't want to be here. I'm not interested in what you're saying. Whereas if they were face to face, the conversation is you know is more organic and it can go all over the place. Yeah, so yeah, yeah it's so, easier. So, to, it's, it's certainly easier to read the room when there's people in in the room, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and you yeah. can tell when you, you know when they when they need breaks and and you know get up and go make a hot drink or something like that. But um, you know when you're looking at them on a screen and and they and then you you know when they turn their video off and they turn their sound off, you think, oh, <laughs> it doesn't yeah. even need to be as 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 organised as time to have a break. It's just that you can just notice when people are getting a bit fidgety and just yeah. just change the tone or change the the angle you're taking just a little bit and. We don't get that remotely. No, no, you certainly don't. Um, you know, and, and funnily, funnily enough, um, some of the staff, when, when, when we went back to face-to-face contact, you know, there was, there, was this, there was this hallelujah went up, but some of the staff were like, oh, actually, I prefer it by Zoom. And, and we were like, yeah, you might prefer it by Zoom, but the students don't. You know, it was a, it was a, it was a bit of a uh, drag them, drag them back into technology. You know, kicking and screaming sort of a sort yeah. of a task. So, what do you teach? Uh, well, well, it's all distance based learning, home based learning, distance stuff. So there's there's different programs. There's uh, there's like Tikanga, there's there's money management, there's um, uh, Te Reo Māori uh, level one and two, um, and there's also uh, uh, like a, I'd call, we'd call it I'd call it uh, history, New Zealand history, Aotearoa history. Um, so there's a bit of everything in that kind of uh, pre-treaty, treaty, post-treaty sort of, um, you know, there's a whole lot of different um, Māori worldview stuff that, that the students, you know, it's up to them to decide what that would be and how, the, you know, and how they translate and then, and then put that in, um, in their assignments. Cool. Yeah, so, yeah, it's quite cool. Okay, let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Brian Ferry, Slave to Love. Why this one? 
Um, it's it, it's a it's it's a song that I um I, I was I was out on a I was out on a date with 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 my first wife, uh, second wife, and um and it was playing and it got stuck and it just kept going. You know, it was playing over and over again and we couldn't <laughs> we couldn't change it. So it was like you know the button on the on the CD player. It just got stuck, <laughs> so that sort of became the song. And I was like, okay, oh well, you know. And, and um, I mean, it's a, and it's a, it's a great song anyway.
thunderstorms. It's got thunderstorm in that song. Is the weather sorted out? I forgot to ask where you are, Keld. Where are you, Keld? Oh, I'm actually in uh, Wainui, um, out at uh, the back of Wohopi. Have you had any thunderstorms recently? Has, has summer started yet? Um, we, had a, we had a thunderstorm not, not that long ago, actually. Um, uh, probably mm, four or five days ago. It, was, it started out at sea and rolled in, just came in off the coast and then, started, then rolled up on the hills. It was pretty, it was pretty spectacular up where, because I live up on, the, on a, a ridgeline. Uh, about 100 and 110 meters above above um, sea level, um, and when so when those thunderstorms roll in, it kind of just sits over the house and then just cracks everything. <laughs> <laughs> did you get Did you get the earthquake? Oh, you, we, you, well, yeah, yeah. You, you can feel them, um, you know, and especially when your house is up on like piles, like because that you know that because my house um, originally was in Fakatani in. Um, and then we sold we sold the section to McDonald's because we lived right next door, and um, and then we bought the house back off McDonald's because we knew they were just going to bowl it over and turn it into a car park, um, and yeah, and then we had to find somewhere to, to transport the house to, which we did. Um, so when so when the when the when the transport guys bought the house and they had to put it up on piles, it had to be nine hundred, you know, up. Um, for flood reasons, which is which is crazy because if 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 I get a flood up here. Then Fakatani is no longer beachfront. <laughs> you got the largest well, ever takeaway from McDonald's. Yeah, we did, <laughs> and we did enough size it to fries or a coke. <laughs> Held, um yesterday, I was um, really stoked to be invited um, to your meeting for Te Akatoi Two Trust. And um, the work that you guys are doing uh, in the digital space and enabling digital connectivity in remote communities is amazing. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, sh- sure. Um, well, well, first, thanks for coming, um, um You know, like <clears throat> because you're a you're a, you're a trustee on on Bay Trust, and and um, you know, and Takatoi Trust is a is a not for non not for profit charitable organisation, and so we rely on the philanthropic grants from organisations like Bay Trust, you know, which you're which you're a part of. So uh, you know, so on behalf of the trust, thanks, thank you for that um, and your contribution. Um, and and I guess uh, the work with Takatoi too, it's 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 kind of. It's hard to explain, but it's easy to explain, which which I know sounds like an oxymoron. Um, but it, but essentially, what we're trying to do is get uh, internet connections into the houses of families that don't have it. And primarily, we've been working with uh, DSL one and two schools in the region, um, but more aligned with remote, rural, and isolated regions. So. So you know, so if you if you if you're listening to this and and you think, well, what, you know, what's rural? So for us, a, a little town called Murupara, which is fifty uh, odd k's away from Fakatani, that's rural. And then if you head inland into Teruwera in the national park, uh, you get Minganui, which is remote. Um, and then if you keep going further into the national park, which you, you end up at Ruatahuna, which is isolated. And so so the houses up there, um, you know, a lot of them. Well, they couldn't get internet anyway, and so so the principals of those schools, you know, they they kind of got together and said, how can we remedy this situation? And um and so they came up with you know they came up with the idea of okay, if we can get a charitable trust, then then that trust can seek solutions, and it can also seek funding to help with the to help fund those solutions, which was a fantastic idea because the schools 
they get funded by Ministry of Education. And Ministry of Education say you can spend your money on this, you can spend it on that, but you cannot spend it on anything in the house or any capital items in the house. So so they were kind of locked in, you know, with where their funding can be spent. And so by, so by creating a trust, it was, okay, we can go outside of the, the ministry's funding. And then the trust has, you know, has its own autonomy to decide whatever it is that, that it's going to do. Um, yeah, so, so, so basically we're providing a Wi-Fi um, solution for families um, of, of schools that just, they don't have internet at home. What sort of impact has that had on those families? Oh, it's been it's been huge impact, uh, Mawira. So um, you know, it, it started. It's it's kind of started like you know education. So so there's this there's this discussion that's been happening, um, and, and not just in New Zealand but around the world. And um, you know, it's called the digital divide. And so so what's happening nowadays is, and um, you know, it's, it's, you, know you can see it easily is that there's you, there's no longer a need for pen and paper at school. Kids don't write down. Any, you know, they don't write their, their stuff out anymore. So they don't go home and they don't fill out a, an A4 piece of paper and write their essay on that and then bring it back to the teacher the next day and go, here you go, miss, here's my homework. Um, now you log into Google Suite, Classroom Suite, you type out your essay, you email it to your teacher, and it's all contactless. There's no, you know, there's no handing over of anything. So if you're at home and you don't have internet, there's no way you can log into Google Classrooms. You, you just can't do it at home. So, you know, and, and so so those that have, they have the ability to continue their study and their learning and their education at home by logging into those suites. And those who don't, they wait till they get to school the next day and they try and catch up and, you know, they, they end up getting behind. And the other part of that is, if even if you do have internet at home, you also need a device that's capable of, you know, of doing that thing. So you need a Chromebook or you need a laptop or you need a desktop. And so so the families we're dealing with, um, you know, we, we might get a Wi-Fi solution and then suddenly it's like, well, there's five kids here. We've got one Chromebook. It's a, it's a, you know, so it's a, it's a piecemeal thing where, okay, we get internet in there and then we need to sort out, you know, who needs a Chromebook and, and, and what those are. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's as far as the communities go. It's you know it's certainly helping to to close the divide and and that digital gap that's that's happening all over the, you know everywhere. Um, but the spin-offs have been that that the community has been you know the communities that these these families are from they start to flourish because not only is there the the capability of the kids to be able to do their homework from home, but suddenly uh, mum and dad can. Uh, you know they can contact their doctors via messenger you know and 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 start doing um, uh, consultations over the internet which which is happening um, and then they can do they can you know like whatever the appointments are that they that need to be done uh, for example Minganui's 80 kilometers from Rotorua you know if the ones that were on benefit if they didn't go to the office you, you get you get your benefit chopped um, so having internet in the house, like, well, wait a minute, I can actually email my, you know, my um, my wins officer, or or I can message them or whatever, and then suddenly they're not getting, you know, they're not there's not that stress of having benefits cut off and all the rest of it. So, um, but 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 then further on, further on from that, businesses is business is suddenly going, well, hold on, if we've got the internet, then people are gonna be able to, you know, interact with us. Way you know, way easier, 
and suddenly like there's a there's a there's a there's a bed and breakfast up in Minganui in the middle of nowhere. It's called the prison house because it used to be where the police um, station was up there, and it and it had a little prison that <laughs> that they used to lock people up in. So so they kept the name the the the, the prison house. Um, and, and suddenly, there's the, when there's, there's this internet capability in the region, the you know the, they've they've taken up the opportunity to to connect the bed and breakfast place, and now people are searching the bed and breakfast online. They're booking a stay there online, and they're paying online. Whereas before there was the opportunity, with you know before there was no opportunity for that to happen, this this business was relying on people turning up in the remote area looking for somewhere to stay while they go for a walk around Fidinaki Forest. Yeah, so you know, so 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 the spin offs have been the kids are uh, able to do their homework at home and they you know, they're getting their edu- their education is, is they're not lagging behind. And the community are finding benefits and you know with being able to contact um, you know health um, and uh, and then the other spin off is that they have a, they have more opportunities to be able to get work um, and you know and contact employers and and email employers and you know or whatever, and so so people are, are getting jobs as well. And this is you know in the in the communities all from internet. Are you getting inquiries from other remote rural locations around the country looking for advice on how they can implement the same sort of program? Yeah, we sure are. <laughs> um, I imagine because this is yeah. working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've, we yeah um. I think maybe uh, three or four weeks ago, um, uh, Leslie, who's the chair of the trust, she forwarded an email on to me, which came from um, from a school up in up in far north, um, who had read about what we were doing in the in the um, Education Gazette. Uh, there was so there was an article in there, and um, and this lady was like, "Hey, how how can we do that? Can you can you you know can you?" Talk us through it. Can you know? Can you you know? What what's the method and, and all of this kind of um, stuff? So so yeah, there there are there are there are quite a few schools that are that are in the same situation that are starting to say, hey, can you come and help us? Um, and and the trust is like, well, you know, what, what's going to be our priority? So so at the moment we you know we we're in Kawaro, we're working in Kawaro, we're trying to extend that out to Onepu. Um, as we speak, um, we've been working in the Ratoki Valley, and then we're popping over the hills to Waimana, and then you know up Matahi, and then and then last night at that meeting, Donna, who was there, who sits on the Runanga board, says, "Can you come and do a presentation to the Father Apanui Runanga board?" You know, so 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 they're like, "Hey, this this is a solution for us as well." And and I mean, the great thing about it is it's such a simple concept, and the solution is so simple that that you you, you kind of go. Heck, why don't we do that everywhere? Which, yeah. Which, yeah, which is the feedback we get all the time, um, you know. And um, and and yeah, we can do it anywhere. But you know, there's there's the you know have to massage government, and you have to massage the way that you use government assets, and you know, and included in those assets are the schools, because um, because the way the way this works, Sam, is that that every school in the country has um, super fast broadband piped into it. Uh, so that so that the school can operate during the day and and the kids can all log on to Google and you know and the school doesn't crash or anything. And so and what happens is the providers have when they pipe this stuff in, they actually sent in more more um, broadband than the school actually needs. And so what we've done is tapped into that 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 um, surplus, and then 
um, put a tower on the school. You turn that signal into a into a radio wave and send it out from you know from the tower that's at the base of the school, and then we put receivers on the houses that catches the signal, and then the router in the house turns it into a Wi-Fi solution. So it comes from the school. It gets piped into the school anyway. It comes from the school, um, and which means it's not going to cost you anything. You just you know you just, just the the government just have to say yeah okay you can you can send that out from the school. Um, so, so there's all of those kinds of things that need to need to be worked through, and and I guess what's been happening over the last six years, and particularly the last uh, three or four years that I've been with the trust, is we've kind of been um, working those relationships with 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 the Ministry of Education and um, you know and and DIA and and, and other organisations that we know we need to we need to have a really good. Uh, working relationship with them so that when we sit down and discuss what's happening everyone's on the same page and everyone everyone agrees that this should happen and then it's just a matter of okay how do we make that happen yeah and that's taken that's taken us that's taken us the last three years to get to get them <laughs> to get them on side and to get them on board and you know and the way the way we did that was instead of trying to decide something from your wellington office get on a plane fly up here and we'll take you up to these remote places and we'll take you to the top of the Uruwera, you know, Te Uruwera, up to Chaz's house who lives way up the top of, of the ridge in Abutahi. And then you can see for yourself what we're talking about being remote, being isolated, being cut off, um, and how much value and benefit this, you know, this project has been to the communities. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokudui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui, kia koutou, patahua hau. Hope you're all happy to stay beautiful superstars, my beloved universes. And I really hope, wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more each day. Who you are, a triumph of nature's perfect, better. Thank you. Now I know that for us all the last three years have been very tough and it's so important that we treat ourselves and each other with the love and compassion that deserve, that we give ourselves and each other the time and the space to process and heal and reintegrate into consensus reality as we find it now. I know for myself that connection to the living world has been so integral to this process and I'm so grateful for the beauty that is growing all around us, that lives all around us reminds us of the beauty and the growth taking place within us at all times. I had the amazing pleasure last night and it's completely transformed my life of emceeing for the Star Jam annual concert and Star Jam is this incredible organisation which I didn't know very much about. They work with young people all over Aotearoa who have different needs, disabilities, different learning styles, all these sorts of things and they give them the opportunity to create beautiful music and learn musical instruments and choreograph amazing dances and also I think most importantly be proud of themselves and express themselves and give them space to shine and be loved and appreciated and be encouraged and make lots of new friends and have fun so I was just absolutely blown away by the concert last night and to see the joy and the freedom and that real elation and that real ecstasy and abandon that comes from when we are fully engaged with music is just the ultimate really. It is such a powerful connector for us 
to a part of us which is beyond words. And I know for many cultures, a, a connection to the divine, a connection to the infinite. So it was just beautiful to see and be part of last night. And we got to travel through time with all these different groups, choosing different songs and performing different songs. And then right at the end, we got to all dance together to one of my songs, Nobody Does It Like You, which, you know, of course, was perfect for the concert because it was all about celebrating the unique skills and gifts that each person brings. And it was just so, so beautiful to see all the families there connecting and making new friends and being so proud and supportive of their beautiful children, beautiful grandchildren and whānau. So a really powerful experience for me that reminded me of the power of music to transcend and to unite and to elevate the space that we find ourselves in and to go beyond the ruminations of our mind and to really be freed up to, to be able to find that that beautiful flow and that beautiful rhythm once again in our bodies and in our hearts. And, you know, everyone just had the best time last night. And so from that experience, you know, it's really reminded me that we still have all these creative opportunities all the time. So much has changed and it's felt very heavy and it's felt very uh, dislocating and disillusioning at times, but there's still so many opportunities for us to share and to celebrate. And so I spent the rest of the evening just listening to all this beautiful music, just, yeah, feeling really transported and transformed. So I hope for you, you're getting the opportunity to find ways to re-engage with what brings you creative joy and creative freedom, what elevates you and inspires you, and ways to connect with others that bring you purpose and, and meaning and love into your life. I'm going to be more involved with Star Jam after last night. And of course, being part of this show is, is so wonderful for me. So I want to thank Sam and the whole Blown Bubbles team for having me. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Keld Hunia. Keld, at the start of the pandemic, the Secretary of Education, I think her name was Iona Halstead, she was asked about the digital um, divide and the problem of getting devices in particular into schools and she said a, a memorable line that the pandemic doesn't create inequities it just reveals them did the pandemic make it worse do you mean did, did it make it worse in, as far as um, the digital divide or do you mean um, tr- trying to get trying to get families to 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 operate you know within the within the pandemic? Uh, no, I'm, yeah, I was, I was thinking the digital divide and the impact of that on the bigger divide, the, the social inequity that we seem to have run away a bit with. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I've, for for us because we had because we had set up um, this, you know, this this the, the network in some of those remote areas had already been set up before pandemic, before the pandemic hit. When it came to lockdown, those families were already uh, online. So, so they just continued as if, as if it was, you know, everyday sort of learning. And then the schools were able to say, "Here's your, you know, here's your, uh, here's your lesson for today. You know, log into the suite, and then here's your lesson, and then, you know, and then the the teachers could then remotely from wherever they were create the classrooms and talk to the students as as they needed help. Um, so, yeah, so for those schools, it was fantastic. 
where 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 there was an issue and where you know where where it did get worse was was in places like Kawara where we hadn't we hadn't finished the network we hadn't finished the grid that that it would have allowed the, the, this to happen and so so Helen from Tarawera High School what she was having to do was photocopy and print hard copies of lessons staple them all together and deliver them to the kids houses for them to do over the pandemic you know the the amount of work that that school had to go through because a lot of their kids didn't have internet at home. Um, yeah, it was it was it was crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So I don't know if it's possible to put it on a scale of one to ten, but let's try on a scale of one to ten. How far along the work are we? Do Do you mean closing the gap or? Yeah. Oh man, um, I reckon. But, but, well, well, if you put, you got to put it into, you got to put it into like into context, and because what what the census figures tell us is that um, I think something like six percent of the country doesn't have doesn't have broadband available, right? So for the for the for the six percent, you know, it's it's pretty bad. But if you have a look at our our regions, um, of those six percent, we're a hundred percent of those families. You know, so there might be only I don't know thirty families in Rotahuna, but all of them don't have internet. You know, there might be forty-five in in Minganui, but and, and like I say, all of them didn't have internet. So so it was a hundred percent. So yeah, so for them it, it was it was it was worse. Um, and the the other thing that we always try and stress is that yes, there might be broadband that goes past your house, and that all you need to do is you know, pipe the connection into your house and then and then start paying either, you know, Vodafone or Spark or Two Degrees or whoever slingshot to, to get an internet connection in your house. But we're dealing with families who at the end of every week decide, am I going to pay for food? Am I going to pay for a doctor's visit? Am I going to pay for petrol? You know, and internet is kind of like, down, way down, down at the bottom of the list of things that they're going to pay for. Um, and so the reality is, you know, and this is what we say to government all the time, the families we're dealing with are never, ever going to pay for an internet connection. We need to provide a solution that is cost-effective, i.e. free, and, um, you know, and, and efficient and works well. And and this network that, you know, that the project that, we've, you know, that we're working up up in the Te Uruera, it's so effective, so simple, and so cost-effective, it's not funny. Especially when organisations, businesses and governments take away the opportunity to interact with them by anything other than by the internet, it starts to become a, you know, a basic human right that you can have access to that data and, and be able to interact in that way. Yeah, and funny enough, um, the United Nations... That, that's that was one of their descriptions was that um, internet should be a basic human right you know and that every, everyone should have it as a basic human right and need let's take the second of your music choices let's have mark williams sweet wine why this one i remember going to a concert in, in tauranga uh, and toto was playing the band toto um, and mark williams and dragon opened for them and they were so good live that when toto came on I waited for the song Africa, and when Africa played, I left. Because <laughs> Mark Williams, he was so good. And, uh, yeah, and, and so, so I really like his music. You've taken the sweet wine out of my life. Oh, 
incredible actually in our community uh, there is all the years that I've known you you have been doing really important work and enabling people in really important spaces uh, particularly in the areas of identity education belonging all of the things that matter that make communities stay connected what has driven this in you to make you want to be involved in this kind of work oh man um <clears throat> I, I i think that kind of goes back a lot to when well maybe the best example that i can explain that is when my kids were were at primary school um i went into to the teacher parent interview and and um and roberta said to me is there anything that you want your child to you know to 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 be better at or or learn more or you know anything as a parent you know look and I said yeah can you can you um can you get her into some sort of um reo or you know or kapahaka or something and and um and Roberta sat there and looked at me and, and kind of smiled but kind of sheepish, sheepishly went oh um, we don't have kapahaka so you know so I came home to my wife and I complained about the whole thing you know for 15 minutes, I just ranted and raved about, oh, no, this, oh, no, couple, oh. And then my wife said to me, well, you know, you've always been, if, if you know, if you want it done, you have to do it yourself sort of person. And I was like, oh, God, okay. So I ended up going to the school and created a couple hucker group for the, at the, at the school. Um, and then we just went there every week for a couple of days and just practiced with the kids and taught them songs and taught them meanings and stuff and taught them how to say things properly. And then I kind of figured, hey, you know, if we're going to do this, we might as well have a purpose. So, so, um, so I entered them into the Rangataiki Kapahaka Festival for the first, you know, this, and this is a, like, uh, predominantly non-Māori school kids. So, so, so yeah, so we took them to the group and they absolutely nailed it. It was so good. Um, you know, these, these, I was just so proud of these kids and what we had achieved. But they, believe it or not, won the haka section at the Kapahaka Festival and they were up against Kurakaupapa schools from the region. Like, not one, not two, but like three or four Kurakaupapa, you know, kids that, live and breathe Māori. So so these 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 kids who'd never done a cup of haka before, who'd never performed before, they won the haka section. That's that amazing. Right? Yeah, it's crazy. And the following in the and because and my children they left the school but I kept tutoring the group. Uh and then the in the following festival we we were second in the Mortete, which is even more crazy, you know, when you consider what Mortete is, it has to be done perfect you know it has to be done right that everything has to be has to be done right um and so 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 to me it was okay there, there's there's a gap there needs filling i can fill that gap so i'm going to fill that gap and i i kind of i kind of do that along the way um but i i guess my i have an ability to be able to to pull people in that, you know where where it's needed and and to be able to kind of transverse across a lot of different organizational structure and and get you know get to the place where what you know wherever the decisions are made you know end up end up there and then and then um and then work from there uh, and and i guess the other part of of that is that um uh, you know like i when i was growing up i was in the i was in the sort of 70s um you don't need to learn Māori uh, group of of um, high school kids you know like i was in there so so i so i never did uh, you know, learnt 
French at school instead of instead of doing Māori. And, and, and so, so kind of through my 20s and then early 30s, there was something about, oh, man, I'm, you know, I don't know what I'm missing out on, but I'm missing out on something. I just never knew what that was until I went to one of um, oh, Taika's uh, decolonisation hui, and that kind of sparked something inside of me. It was like, whoa, yeah, uh, you know. I need to change stuff and 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 I, somehow I need to be able to to you know to make this make other people see how this works as well and you know and how it can benefit them and you know benefit everyone yeah so it's kind of I've kind of gone from there and just and just always ended up in big projects I don't, I don't know how that's happened but it you know it's <laughs> it's just <laughs> because you get the job done that's why you actually oh. get the job done Oh yeah, I guess. Um, I can't, you know, like I don't know if you've heard of Mahi Oro and and Mauri Oro and the you know those programs that Wano created way back in oh. two thousand. But I, I was part of that, like in the initial setup and build up of and and creation of those programs. And you know, like there's a hundred and fifty thousand students that have gone through the program over the years. And yeah, you, know, you know, it was just like just I don't know how I've landed in in those sort of roles and 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 ended up seeing them through but um yeah but i just i just have i'm i'm just lucky i guess oh no i think we're the lucky ones how do we how do we make more people like you like we for to have a truly thriving and healthy community we need to have a solid base of people who are willing to do what it takes to make solutions like you did with Kapahaka. How do we inspire that in our young people so that we can have that going forward? Yeah, I guess we, we probably should be trying to get some sort of mentorship program going, um, you know, where, where people are willing to give their time to, to do that, to create that and to create that space and to take people along with them wherever they go. Um you know, so so as much as I can, I will take my kids with me to wherever it is that I'm, you know, I'm doing so that, that so they kind of get a sense of, oh, you know, like, 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 oh, okay, so that's part of community service. So we need to do that for, you know, and not charge them for that. Yep. You know, eat exactly. Um, and, and I do that, be, you know, with, with, with things like Christmas in the park that we, that, that, that the trust that I've, that I've created organizes and runs every year. Um, so we bring young people in. To, to you know to those meetings and 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 you know to the discussions and and uh and and then talk to them about you know we're not doing this to make money we're doing this because it's celebrating the spirit of whatever and you need you know and and it's going to make you feel better you know once when you're part of this so you know as part of your community service you know get involved you know and so so if, so if we can have more of that around um i think you know i think that's a start because I mean, what are what are kids what are kids lacking? You know, lacking these days is they're, they're always complaining about nowhere to go, nothing to do, sort of thing. And I was like, okay, well, I've got something for you to do. <laughs> <laughs> Come along here and give us a hand, and you know, and be part of this or be part of that. You know, and, and then and then the pride thing kicks in, and then you know, you can stand there and go, wow, I did that. I was part of that. I think that's a start. Kelt, I have some questions to end the show with, and not very much time, so we're going to have to wriggle. Yep. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Oh God, um, what's the biggest success of it? Uh, well, well, I, I guess the biggest success is that we've completed the grid 
well, there's there's one of them. So so the Teakatoi two projects being completed are the you know are one of the biggest successes. Uh, if you have a look at the Kawara grid, um, the the Kawara Township itself is such a difficult place to get internet signal into because it's a, like a basin and there's hills and all sorts of stuff in the road. So so we ended up we had to put six different repeater towers in up in the in the township and up and around in the surrounding hills just to be able to get internet into the homes. You know. Of, in Kawaro, in that tiny little town, <laughs> six towers, whereas in other places, you know, we'd probably only need one or two sort of thing. Um, and then we had to negotiate with the landowners, you know, the the, the, the trust blocks and and, and uh, different, um, different organisations to be able to use their properties. And we finally got the agreement from everyone to, and, and because they say yes is the best thing for the town and the kids, um, we were able to complete the tower builds there. And so that that network structure in Kawaro is is ready to go, and that was the thing we presented last night. With, that Mawera came to was like, here you go, here it is, and this is how much work <laughs> it took us, but we're there. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? Oh, I can I can look through concrete walls into board meetings and hear what everyone's saying, you know, without them knowing so that I have an advantage when it comes to, to negotiating with them. Genius. Superpower. <laughs> Genius. You said you were lucky before, and I don't think it's luck at all. I think it's that you can make things happen. Yeah. You know, the Kumara doesn't talk about how sweet it is, eh? <laughs> so do you consider yourself to be an activist? I'm a low-key activist, you know. Like, I, I certainly fly my flag on, on uh, February 6th, um, but, you know, like, I don't... I don't go out and march down the street or anything um, like that, but um, you know, but but uh, I've, but I've, I certainly love having that conversation with people when you know whenever whenever the, I get the opportunity. Um, I'm also a surf lifesaver, right? So so my patrol, we actually patrolled on Waitangi Day, and at surf club when when you when you when you're on duty, you have to run up a flag, and and one of them is green to say yep the beach is open, and another one is red and yellow which says yes there's a patrol on. And another one is green and yellow, which tells you that there's a there's an IRB on the beach ready to rescue. And so when we ran those flags up last last year on Waitangi Day, there was a Tenoranga Tiratanga flag on the pole as well with those other three flags. Um, you know, so I just ran it up the pole. It was hilarious. <laughs> we had we had members of the public coming and taking photos next to the next to the flagpole. They loved it. <laughs> and. What motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Oh, you know, usual stuff. Um, wanting, wanting to wanting to make sure that um, you know, like whatever I need to provide for the kids, I'm doing. Um, I try I I try and maintain a, a reasonably good level of of um, health and fitness. So so I, I love training at the gym with my kids, and and I still play touch with them. Um, you know, uh, in the local competition. Uh, and, um, yeah, just, oh, I don't know, just, yeah, you know, it's life. you you got to get up and live it, I guess. And what's the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> the biggest challenge? Gosh. Um, well, well, I'm part of a team at, at the Wananga at the moment, and, and so one of the challenges we have is 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 making sure that the programs that we deliver um, – are still around and still available for students that want to, you know, want that want to enrol in them because because government's a funny beast, you know. It looks it doesn't look at things, you know, on a on a on a like a 
small scale is, is you know it doesn't look at at the achievements that those things you know whatever has done for whoever it's done best and good for like in the families and so they you know they kind of look at it overall and go oh you know you got to cut that out you got to cut that out you got to cut that out you know and and so so often they will target things that that you know if 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 you sat back and had a look at it the amount of good that 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 program has done for the family and the resources that go into those homes far outweighs the cost perceived to run it by government and and that's that's one of, that's going to be one of the biggest challenges for next year. Um, and the other big challenge will be, as far as the trust is concerned, is connecting more communities, um, you know, around Aotearoa and having government agree that yes, this is a good opportunity. Yes, this is a you know it's a viable solution and it's cost effective, and uh, you know and and people will benefit from it. So that yeah, that's going to be another challenge too. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Oh, um, geez, do I have any advice? Well, I guess I, I, I we had to cancel this year's Christmas in the park because of um, an issue with, with stage sound and lighting. The operator, they got COVID and they couldn't turn up and we couldn't find a replacement. And so people were complaining about, you know, just constantly complaining and just this, all the keyboard warriors were just was driving me crazy. And then, and so, so my advice to them was, hey, the sun will still come up tomorrow. And that that would be my advice to anyone, you know, the sun will come up tomorrow, get out of bed and just move forward again. New day. The sun will still come up tomorrow and I'll be on the beach Yep, with my four flags. And your your cold will be gone. (laughs) (laughs) Moera. Um, Well, the sun will come up tomorrow and I will be on my bike uh, in the Christmas parade with the mountain bike club. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And and yeah, and the sun will come up tomorrow and I will be at a touch tournament in Rotorua with my kids. Oh, perfect. Yeah. That's going to be a great day. Keld, um, it has been a real privilege uh, for me to know you over these years and to, uh, to sit back and be inspired by observing your practice, the impact that you make uh, and your commitment to this community. And you don't do it for trumpets and fanfare, you don't do it for a big stage to stand on. You do it because you can, and you've got this beautiful motivation of just wanting the world to be a better place, and I have so much admiration for that. Thank you for the work that you do on behalf of our community, and thank you for your time today. It's been a real privilege listening to your story. Kia ora. Kia ora. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us. Again, a 
as in olden days, happy golden days of yore. Faithful friends who were near to us will be dear to us once You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic, which is brought to you by Tipu Kenga. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio from Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook. We're playing out this month to... This is the first of them, Judy Garland from 1944. We had a contribution today from Tahu Mackenzie. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, with Mawera Karatai in Fakatani and in Wainui. We've been joined by Keld Hunia. That is Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. Matiwa. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.